0: Do you want to be more fulfilled? Do you want to know how to achieve lasting, positive transformation, abundance and empower your life? If you are not happy with where you are today and the repeating patterns that represent in your life over and over again, then a radical shift is what's required to help you make changes and live your life more on purpose. All you need to do is sign up to our email list. When you become a subscriber, we'll send you an online module on how to create radical paradigm shifts. It's our gift to you to get you started on your journey or to help you leap to the next level of self-awareness and positive transformative change. Simply enter your details at www.katharineplano.com forward slash newsletter. As a valued subscriber, you'll also receive access to exclusive content, members-only events, free access to online masterclasses, VIP treatment and discount tickets to events. We offer bonus content too. More advanced tips and tricks only available to subscribers. So what are you waiting for? As you know, it's my passion and purpose to help others to understand their own uniqueness and to unshamedly it to live lives they love. Whatever you're seeking, whether it's more money, more meaningful relationships, a more rewarding career or just more satisfaction, it's all possible once you learn how to tap into your greatest potential. And why not get on board with this transformational movement by recommending a friend? Some do prefer to journey solo. Others love to share the experience with a mate. It's entirely up to you. We look forward to welcoming you on board. All you have to do is enter your details at wwwcatherineplannercom forward slash newsletter. This week we have another incredible woman for you, Carolyn Paul. Carolyn grew up in New England with an identical twin, a younger brother and a menagerie of animals. And she goes on by sharing with us that during her adolescent years, she did some goofy things like, learned all the constellations in the Western Hemisphere on a regular basis, rode her banana seat bicycle for miles to read Archie comics at the nearest general store in her rural town, then built a boat out of milk cartons and convinced others to join her on the river, then waded to shore with them when it broke up in the first rapid. Carolyn graduated from Stanford University, where she studied communications. At the time, she had a vague idea that perhaps she would become a documentary filmmaker, but instead, in 1989, she became a San Francisco firefighter. In 1999, she wrote about her 13 and a half year career in fighting fire. She explains how being in a fire made her happy, and doing emergency medical work intrigued her, which all made her who she is today. Carolyn Paul is the author of many books. Her latest one is You Are Mighty, a guide to changing the world, came out just as teens around the country were taking a stand against gun violence. This illustrated book aims for an even younger audience, teaching kids from 9 to 12 years old the tactics of civil engagement and protest. Carolyn, in her free time, flies an experimental plane, reads books and goes to the movies. Much of this is done around San Francisco, where she lives with her partner, the artist Wendy McNaughton. She also lives with two rescue cats, one rescue dog, an array of solar panels and countless unread back issues of The New Yorker. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. So today we have another super special guest for you, Caroline Paul, all the way from California. Welcome to I Am Woman Project.
1: Thanks. I'm really glad to be here.
0: So we were actually comparing the difference in time. It's your Friday afternoon and my Saturday morning. And obviously the weather would be much nicer in California than Melbourne.
1: Uh it's actually really smoky here. We have had a lot of fires in the environs and it's really smoky. So, I mean it's sunny but hazy. Yeah. And a little there's a little apocalyptic feeling going on over here in California right now. I know you had that in Australia a couple of years ago, so Yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, we we're, we're actually right in the middle of winter and it hasn't stopped uh raining. It's amazing you can't hear it in the background, but it's pretty heavy today.
1: right it's winter there oh that's so cool yeah it is
0: absolutely we're spanning yeah okay great yeah so i'm sitting here rugged up uh like an eskimo of course but hey that's the way it goes uh so what we do as we uh start the show we always love to ask our woman of inspiration her unique story so what's your story what inspired you to do what you do today Well, I guess what I do
1: today is I write. So I write books. Um, But specifically, recently, I've been writing books for girls uh, about empowerment. And there's no really one reason. I mean, this was I've written six books. So I didn't come upon all my other books were for adults. And uh, I was actually doing a reading and some And it was a reading about sort of outdoor mishaps. And I told a story, read a story that I'd written. And someone came up to me and said, you know, Caroline, your next book should be for girls uh, because they need to hear your adventures. And I had never considered writing for girls before. All my books were for adults. And I realized that suddenly I saw the book in front of me because actually she was really right. Like I, I had known for a long time that, girls don't embrace adventure like they should. In fact, we are sort of um, told not to be adventurous in our life. And I don't need, I don't just mean outdoor adventure. And I had actually come to that at a very, realized that at a very young age, when I was a, when I was in college, I took a summer job as a whitewater rafter. And I started, it was a very easy river. I know you, you have rafting over there and uh, whitewater sports in, in Australia, but it was an easy river. It was a two, three as they uh, call it. And, um, there was, it was about 50, 50 women to men. And, uh, I, but I noticed as I continued rafting and went on harder and harder rivers that the ratio changed precipitously. And there started to be hardly any women at all as you got to the really hard rivers. And it puzzled me because while rafting takes some fitness, it doesn't take brute strength. It takes skill. It takes grace. It takes, you know, having your wits about you. All things that women have, and um, are equal to men in. And in fact, the women who were really good on these rivers were not big, you know, brutish women. They were just fit and just simply very skilled. And yet there weren't many. And I remember thinking then, like, that's weird. Like, why? Clearly, this isn't a uh, an issue of strength. So this must be an issue of psychology and emotion like why are we not doing the hard stuff and so then when this woman came up to me and said you need to write a book about adventure I realized yeah yeah we really do because we don't raise girls to take risks and get outside their comfort zones like we raise boys to do that and it turns out that that's a really important thing to learn very early not so you can be like a kick-ass adventurer and um raft a lot of rivers and I became a firefighter and I fly planes. And that is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting outside like your own comfort zone. And so I start, I've started writing books to empower actually all kids, but girls, especially.
0: Well, I love that. And, you know, I, as you are speaking, I'm thinking as I just watched a show on Netflix just the other night about uh, CrossFit (laughs) and some of those women. Wow. When you're talking about. Um you know, being adventurous and going out there and just doing it to have fun, I mean, mind you, they do work really hard uh that's pretty amazing um so the other thing that was going through my mind as you were speaking, that would be a bit of a shift in mindset writing for uh young girls, like did you tap into your inner child and take you and did it actually take you back to what it was like you you growing up in your time
1: um Yeah. I mean, I did uh, remember that I had wanted to be uh, adventurous as a kid, but that there weren't a lot of role models for me uh, that were female. In fact, I didn't know really any adventurous, and I'm talking outdoor adventure, pretty much. And uh, the only person I'd heard of was Amelia Earhart. That's the only one that we talked about back then, back in the 70s. And and I, then I wrote this book for girls and I started to do research because I realized how important, of course, it is to have role models about of bravery and risk taking and courage and fun, you know, frankly. And I started to do research. And it turns out there is a ton of outdoor women who were around or at least available to me. They'd either been you know, adventuring in the 1800s or the early 1900s, or even during my time, but it's just we didn't talk about them as a culture. We didn't uh, ri- we didn't hold them up like we did male adventurers, and that was really too bad because I could have used some role models. And I was lucky I had male role models, which is great. I mean, it's great to have real mo- male role models, but uh, but really having female ro- role models would have made everything a lot easier.
0: Mm. So when you talk about bravery, what were some of the things that you discovered in your research?
1: Well, one thing um, that, well, when I was a firefighter, because I was a firefighter for San Francisco for almost 14 years back, I started in 1989, and I was the 15th woman, and there were 1,500 men. And so I clearly I was coming into a, a culture that, uh, first of all, didn't know what to make of me pretty much. And also didn't really believe I could do the job. And that in some way made sense because this was 1989. And at that time, we, I, I know the laws are different in Australia, but we didn't have, uh, we had a law that passed in the beginning of the 1970s called title nine that gave that mandated that girls get equal access to sports in schools. And suddenly you had a generation of girls that started to be way more physical. And I was of that generation. I was a young kid in 72. And I got to suddenly start playing sports that were, you know, equally funded as the men's, the boys. And so when I came into the fire department in 89, there were a lot of old guys who had never seen women be physical, or, you know, take, be strong and um, be active. And so I understood when I got in that they didn't think I was strong enough to do the job, even though I had been a collegiate rower and I had um, I had done a lot of sports. I had already been a whitewater rafter. I flew planes. So it didn't surprise me when they didn't believe that I could do the job physically. But what did surprise me is that it became clear that they didn't think I could do the job emotionally. They didn't think I was brave enough and they weren't the only one it wasn't just the firemen it was women and men in everyday life because when they'd say what do you do for a living and I'd say I'm a firefighter there'd be this moment where they they sort of pause and then they'd say do you go into fires (laughs) And, and I would say oh no no I don't I I stay that's way too dangerous I stay back for the fires and the men go and then the medical calls I go And there'd be this pause, because they didn't quite believe me, but they also couldn't imagine that a woman was going into fires. And finally, I would just say, no, no, of course I go into fires. I'm a firefighter. And then they'd sort of stagger away. So nobody had this conception of this heroic, sort of brave woman. It didn't just, it wasn't just about our physical ability. In fact, I think it was mostly about the idea that we had not envisioned women to be brave.
0: Mm. I love that. As you're talking about that, I'm thinking, wow, uh, uh, to do something like that does, to me, takes a lot of courage. I can't say that I would go out there and start fighting fires. But the one thing that really also stands out is the uh, psychological uh, safety. When you were talking about emotions, when you you actually were saying that it comes from a psychological point of view, do you think that's also... Uh, I guess driven by culture driven by expectations driven by um, I guess also men you know you're not strong enough to do something like that because I know in different roles here in and some of the and I run some uh, women leadership and some of the roles here there's just you know close your eyes and we actually did an exercise Uh, who do you picture being a a firefighter and the amount of individual this is women just automatically visualize men because that's almost that um, the culture the perception that we live in so well, it's, it's even down to the
1: words I mean yeah. here people say firemen all the time and I have to say that it really drives me crazy because words have power and I know they're picturing some mustached large you know white guy <laughs> and that is you know that, that will keep happening if we don't change our words so it's really important to do that um, I think, you know, this all starts really young. I did a lot of research. It turns out that they did a study of um, parents um, overseeing their kids on a playground. And let's see. I hope I, I got to remember this study. I've, I've talked about it quite a bit. The researchers saw that both moms and dads were way more likely to warn their girl not to play on, it turned out it was a piece of equipment that was a fire pole-ish piece of equipment on the playground, ironically. Mm-hmm. But they the researchers watched parents and they saw that their parents were more likely to warn the girls. And then if the girls still wanted to slide down that fire pole, the parents were more likely to assist them. Now with the boys, they encouraged the boys to play on that fire pole, even if the boys were scared. And they taught them how to use it on their own. So right away, and these kids were like six years old. Now, right away, what we're messaging is girls are fragile and not up to um, difficult tasks and need assistance if they decide they want to do it. And boys, on the other hand, uh, have the capability to do it And should be go off and be able to do it on their own soon enough. And those are really powerful messages that begin super early. And in fact, when I after I read that study, I I'd already noticed my. um, Some of my friends and specifically, I remember a friend of mine who her girl was she had already told me that her girl was really um, sort of a scaredy cat. And could I hang out with her and be a good role model? And so I watched a little closely and saw that in fact, yeah, the, the, the little girl was a nervous kid, but it was really the parents who were nervous when she was outside. A lot of what they said to her was no, or be careful or don't. So Right. And in fact, as these studies show, like we are cautioning our girls really, really young. And the message we're giving is don't take risks. Don't get outside your comfort zone. If you do, ask for help. That that is <laughs> and so as women, and I think you probably know this among um your peers over there, is that we now have a really hard time pushing outside our comfort zone, finding confidence in our own decisions and um, this is applicable not as a firefighter, not just as a rafter, not just as a pilot, but as a businesswoman, as just an or as a person in a, a woman in a relationship, or just moving through the world. Like we need to have confidence in ourselves and push outside our comfort zones to have a fulfilling life. And yet our messages have been counter to that for a very long time. And it's funny because parents um, have two reactions when I say that. First of all, they they mostly know this. They, they recognize that they caution their girls. But then they say to me, but I'm just protecting her. And I get that. Of course, we don't want our girls to be injured. And we do see the world as more dangerous for our girls. But what I say is you are not protecting her when you caution her. You are protecting her when you let her take risks. Because once she starts taking risks, she learns hazard assessment. She learns confidence in her own decisions. She's not looking to other people to tell her what to do, which often as you get into be become a teen becomes an issue, and then even as a woman. I mean, a girl is way more vulnerable when you're always stopping her from doing something. You have to raise her like you do your boys, which is let them go out, take the risk, learn from that, and become stronger and more confident as a result.
0: As you're actually saying that, I was just thinking when you were saying that the age of six, you know, and between the age of six and seven, this is our imprinting phase. So if we're treating our girls to be fragile uh, and having that, you know, from a parenting programming point of view, uh, constantly protecting them and telling them to be careful, no wonder as we get uh, a little bit older, as we age, we lack the confidence as women.
1: Right. I know. It starts Mm. so... Mm -hmm. and we don't, you know, these, we are not bad parents when we do this. We are obviously our, our hearts are in the right place. But, um, I think when you, if you have a boy and a girl and you're, it's really interesting to notice how you, how you speak to, to them differently around the same situations.
0: Mm, So true. So Carolyn, um, Caroline, sorry. Uh, how do you practice bravery? So, for us women out there listening to this interview, uh, for women that have young girls as well, um, how does one practice bravery? Well, for for your for
1: yes, it's really important. First of all, to model bravery for your kids. So, if we're talking about kids, and so um, one thing that I think is because bravery is really about getting outside your comfort zone it's not you you know your bravery is different from my bravery I'm not I never I'm not saying you know I I'll I talk to people about my years as a paraglider for instance so I used to paraglide which is basically jumping off cliffs with a a wing of sorts wow but and I'm not I'm not talking about that in order to get more paragliders out there I'm talking about that to show that I'm pushing my comfort zone. That's not a lot of people's comfort zone. And I totally get it. And, you know, I have places where I need to push that are not in the outdoors. So what I say to people is, look, what we have to start doing is exercises that I call, and that's that's actually not my word. This is from an organization called Girls Leadership here. It's called micro bravery. And it's when you practice small acts of bravery. So... So, for instance, if you're um, afraid of heights, you would—I mean, if you're a kid afraid of heights, this is an example I like to use. Like, you would climb a tree, or you'd look out the window. Um, sorry, I think I have. Uh, sorry, are you hearing that beep? That's so okay. No, it's fine. I'm so sorry. I don't know. I'm no—I'm not good enough to be able to turn all that stuff off. It's okay. It's um, good. So, micro bravery. Start small, like start looking out a window on the second floor, walk across a bridge, look over it, start climbing a tree and then, you know, incrementally start pushing your comfort zone in that area. It doesn't have to be the outdoors, obviously, if it's about, you know, speaking up for yourself you or being more social, you know, make a vow to yourself to say hi to one stranger a day and, you know, uh, speak up in a meeting. I mean, there's all these st- micro bravery steps you can take. And the cool thing about it is that it's not just about getting better in this one area, like being more social. Whenever you push yourself outside your comfort zone, you begin to understand yourself better because, Oh, here's another really interesting thing that, um, as when I started to realize this was true, just really blew me away. Fear and excitement feel really similar, right? It's like you have the adrenaline and the high heart rate and the sweat And women tend to to view uh, any sort of um, feelings of uh, excitement as fear. They confuse them or they can feel fear and excitement and not be able to parse out like exactly what this situation, because obviously, if we're overwhelmingly afraid, maybe it's not a good situation to be in. I mean, I'm not saying that fear is bad. Fear is important. But it's really important to know the difference between fear and excitement because when you get outside your comfort zone, it's exciting too. So in order to make these decisions, you have to really understand yourself better. So the more you practice bravery, just random acts of bravery, the more you get to know yourself around pushing outside your comfort zone. And you start to open up your life because you try new things and you learn how to assess
0: like, what's going to be really good for you and what is not. Oh, I love those micro uh, bravery—the small acts—and it makes me think of. There's a movie we bought a zoo, and there was, uh, and I got one piece uh, out of that movie that I really resonated with was 20 seconds of courage. So when you want to do something or ask for something, it's just give yourself that 20 seconds. So what it does, it creates that sense of urgency, and you just look at your watch. and you go, "Okay, Catherine, you have 20 seconds. Just do it." I love that. Hold it. So, what? T- tell me again. This is it's, a is a. It's actually a movie. We Bought a Zoo, uh, with Matt Damon, and he talks about. So he he see, he's just walking down the street. Sees this beautiful woman sitting in a restaurant, and he looks up to her, and he just wanted he had this urge to go up to her, and uh, and that's where the twenty seconds of courage. I will just I'm going to give myself twenty seconds of courage to walk in there and tell her exactly how I feel.
1: I love that. I I'm gonna have to. I'll have to watch that movie. I know what you're talking about.
0: That's yeah. great. The other thing, Caroline, I'm thinking, like, you are very adventurous, right? And you're very good at getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Uh, where did that come from? You know, um,
1: it's funny. My mom, when we were growing up, oh, uh, well, both my parents really, but they want us to try everything. So we grew up in the country and we had to – um you know we sledded we biked we uh skied and my and we played an instrument not that we were going to be good we went to church not because my parents were religious but they wanted us to try everything and then once we had tried it we could say no to it if as we got a little older and it didn't suit us but i think that's what my mom wasn't trying to make us brave, or um, teach us confidence per se, those weren't really words. I don't think that was jargon that was part of parenting growing up back then. I don't know, maybe it was, but didn't seem to be. And she just wanted us to have a, a more exciting childhood than she had, because her mother had been quite fearful and basically didn't think girls could do much at all. Very, you know, traditional back in the 40s and thirties. So she wanted us to have a a more exciting childhood. It was that simple. So I think that's where, where it took root. Mm,
0: That's awesome. So you obviously didn't have that kind of upbringing where you can't do this. You actually encourage you to try out anything.
1: Yeah, it's funny. My father was very conservative, Um, conservative politically and socially. He came from the Midwest, which is traditionally quite a conservative place. But for some reason He just I'm a twin. I'm an identical twin. Uh, So I don't know, maybe I don't I'm not exactly sure. Maybe that had something to do with it. We we just had a lot of free reign and and uh, we weren't really told that we couldn't do
0: it. Mm, Okay. There there is one thing that I did want to sort of go back to is when you were talking about fear, Uh, I have heard that when fear and excitement releases the same brain chemicals or hormones. And it's basically it's it's, uh, from a quantum physics point of view, it's the as the observer, it's the meaning we give what's taking shape at that very instant. So it's once again, Mm. if it's that um, that your heart pumping. It's instead of saying I'm am afraid, I'm afraid. You could you could actually turn that around and say, actually, I'm really excited. I'm excited and then jumping up and down as if you are fearless. So that really resonated with me.
1: Yes, and actually, um, boys are taught to interpret things as exciting, and and I think girls are taught to interpret things as scary. That's
0: interesting. And again,
1: this is very. It's a subtle you know, constant um, inculcation that happens really, really early.
0: So are you saying that we teach our girls to be afraid?
1: Yes. And we teach our girls to be afraid because we think it protects them. Part of it is unconscious, but part of it is very, very conscious. We want them to be scared, so they're careful. And so, you know, we want them to be scared because, again, we think that the world is more dangerous for them. And maybe that is true, but what I say again, is that that is not protecting them. That is actually making them more vulnerable. You will protect your girl by making her, uh, understand how to push outside her comfort zone. Because when you start young doing that, by the time they're teenagers, when they really start doing the weird pushing outside their comfort zone stuff, that's also wrapped up with unself confidence. They start doing, you know, stuff that's not good for them and get themselves into dangerous situations. So You start young giving a a girl that confidence because that's what happens. It's, it's, I mean, what all the things we do for boys at that age, I mean, let me, I'll temper that because I think that we, and I haven't done a lot of research in this, so I'm, I'm not, um, and people have said, you know, there's a bad flip side to this, you know, hyper bravery, hyper pushing outside your comfort zone stuff, the pressure to do that on boys can be very destructive too. And yes, of course, there's a dark side. Yes. But I'm not – I think that's not an argument not to do this for girls. It's simply an argument to do it in a way understanding that the end goal is confidence and um, leadership skills and hazard assessment skills and all that.
0: Mm, that's really interesting. So, Carolyn, is it fair to say that you, being so adventurous – and always pushing, pushing the boundaries that you live a fearless life?
1: You know, I don't leave a fear. No, because you can't really be brave unless you're, there's a fear there. I mean, otherwise you're simply, um, neutral. It's value neutral, really. Uh, I don't lead a fearless life. Um, and so, and I think, uh, that that's not healthy to be fearless at all. And, and they actually have, um, they, they, I remember listening to a podcast on a woman who actually did not have fear. So she, I don't know if you've heard this one, it's, and she got herself herself in dangerous, situ, in bad situations. Like she got mugged a bunch of times, but, but she wasn't scared even during the whole process. Oh, wow. But she didn't have the instincts to uh, you know, veer away from the bad situation. Uh, it's a lot like people who physically don't feel pain. You know, there are people who actually physically don't feel pain. And so they simply put their hand on the stove and their hand still burns. They simply don't feel it. So, you know, it's important not to be fearless, but what it's, it's, it's important to be brave too. Mm -hmm. So it's about valuing bravery. It's not about, see, I, Here's the other thing is that I think in our vocabulary as women, fear is too much of the touchstone. So people always want to veer towards talking about being fearful or scared. And I always say, "Mm, I want to push the word, the wordage to bravery. Let's talk about, let's use that vocabulary because then we're in that paradigm of just valuing bravery, which is what boys do, boys Mm -hmm. and men. And I have worked with many, many very, very brave men, uh, you know, and full of integrity and honour and all those, you know, noble acts. That's what men are taught at a very young age.
0: So you're saying that, and I agree with what you're saying, uh, that we cannot experience bravery without fear. So we need to understand what fear is all about to there be able – I see as fear is almost like a bridge to walk across – to the you know obviously when you walk through fear you have the you know courage the bravery is that what you're saying no i'm actually saying i think we should understand bravery and then we will see fear as women
1: because we we just emphasize fear way too much i mean there's always a there's always the um you know the flip side to everything so uh when there's bravery there's obviously fear involved and because Again, you're not going to be brave unless you are trying to overcome something.
0: Yeah. I got you. Yes. You just focus on the bravery, not so much. I have to. It's okay to feel fear. It's okay to be shaking my boots right now because if I just keep pushing forward, I will feel brave. It's not about that. It's actually focusing on the bravery and understanding what it took you to get there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think just changing our vocabulary because I think watch, watch after our conversation and maybe for your listeners too, like how often young girls and women say, "I'm scared," "I'm too scared," and it's thrown out there with things like f- fixing a, a tire on your car or um, picking up an insect. And I, I and I just want to challenge and say are you sure fear is the word here? Because I don't think it mm-hmm. is. You might be nervous, you might be anxious, uh, you might be disgusted, you don't wanna you know, do it, but fear really, uh, uh, fear, because fear is a very strong word. Yep. And yet we bandy it about as if, and so we're not really looking closely, we're sort of mushing it around, it's become a, and it, it doesn't serve us, it doesn't serve us to constant to be, and here's the thing, uh, is that when we say we're scared, as girls or women, we know someone is going to step in and do whatever it is. And it's, it's often obviously men, and Mm -hmm. that's stressful for men. And I see, I've seen this before where a woman will, won't want to do something. So the man steps up and frankly, he doesn't know what he's doing, but he's been taught. And I really admire this to simply, um, step up anyway and, Try to deal. And we need to learn. We need to learn from that because it's too much stress on them for one. Why are we making our friends and partners do that? And secondly, it's not helping us. So that that's what I'm saying. I'm saying um let's get that paradigm, let's shift the paradigm to one of pushing always towards bravery.
0: Well, when you're uh, you were actually you had me thinking because uh, I don't like spiders, but is it that I'm like, fearful <laughs> of spiders? No, they're just ugly, really. When I think about it, but it's once again it goes back to the depending on the label you use, it's what you're, it's the lens you'll be you'll be uh, you know seeing whatever it's spider or changing a tire. And I know even for myself, when I split up, I was a, a mum, a single mum for eleven years, and I know I was very scared because. I had a man for 14 years and all of a sudden I had no one. Um, mm. I had to be the man of the house kind of thing. And that was really, really scary. I slept with a hammer underneath my bed. <laughs> Isn't that bizarre? Mm-hmm. So yeah. as you're, you're, you're speaking about the, you know, we're scared. I actually took me back to that. I used to always be scared because there was no one, you know, big and strong around me to protect me. I had to do it all on my own with my little boy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah.
1: And, and let me say that there are, I mean, I don't want to downplay the fact that there aren't real fears. I just, am asking women, cause I think men have already done this because they understand that they can't say I'm scared with hardly ever. So when they say it, they really mean it. Mm. Um, and often they feel it and won't even say it. And you know, that there's issues with that, but again, for women, we really need to st- to really start understanding the feeling of fear, because it's valuable, but don't cry wolf over it, and it, it doesn't help you, and it really hurts you in your life, and you're holding your own self back from so many great opportunities, because you're just willing to say, I'm scared, which means it's bad, which means I'm not going to do it, which means someone else probably will, and then now you haven't, now your life is that much less enriched.
0: Mm. So true. So, so true. So Caroline, what advice would you give your younger self? Um, (laughs)
1: uh, I, I don't, I don't know, actually. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big advice. Oh, well, I've just like, (laughs) I can't say I'm not a big advice person because I've spent this whole time sort of doling out advice, but, um, I see that sharing your wisdom actually. It was
0: wonderful. <laughs> okay, thank
1: you. Thank you. Um I don't know. Give me another question.
0: Okay. So uh so along your journey, what has been one of the greatest lessons learned thus far?
1: Um you know, I mean, I think we learn I think I don't I don't think I can say there's one great lesson. Uh Except I will say something that that is important, has always been important to me as an adult that I did not learn as a kid or even as a young adult, which is that I keep my word. Mm. And I value my word because it makes me reliable um, as a friend and as a partner and to myself. Mm. And I even value my word like I'm, I'm on time, things like that, which clearly you are too. Mm-hmm. Um, because... Uh, being on time is a funny thing. Like people are often late and don't seem to ma- s- seem to think it matters, but in fact it's sort of a, a little di- – it's disrespectful to the other person and also you've broken your word. And I know that sounds small, and sometimes people make fun of me, but it actually reverberates, I think, in your life when you have the integrity about even keeping an appointment and yeah. being on time, like sort of re- reverberates.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you, and I think that really uh- – links in with trust you know when you'll say when you say something people will trust your word because you are on time and because you stand by what you say so absolutely
1: yeah and as a writer I believe in words like again fireman I don't like it it just it, it excludes me yeah uh, and yet I was a firefighter in one of the busiest rigs in the country for 14 years so and and so words matter yeah
0: Absolutely. So Caroline, as we wrap up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration, pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you?
1: Well, the word I think I would like is uh, unruly. unruly, but I'm not unruly in all areas at all. In fact, I'm <laughs> my partner is very annoyed at me often because I can be quite regimented. Yep. So I would like to be
0: more unruly. Yeah.
1: Uh, but I, so I, that's my aspirational word.
0: Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. And the other thing that we do, we love to ask a woman of inspiration to leave three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So they could be like three practical exercises or three tips for our listeners. So what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners?
1: Well, practice bravery, uh, for sure. And that would be micro bravery um uh be on time and uh be kind to animals
0: oh i love that one (laughs) i love be kind to animals i love all of them thank you so much caroline thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and uh coming on the show Uh, where would be the best place for our listeners to find you um, I am easily found on the internet. It seems I'm
1: not that great at social media, but I am at uh, CarolinePaul.com, and my email is on there. My contact information is on there, and I, even my books are all on there.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> and a small bio. Oh, I was going to say for our listeners, highly recommend check out Caroline's books. They're amazing. I love them. And the illustrations too. They are wonderful. Um, And yeah, very, very colorful. So you are mighty, the gutsy girl. And like you said, you've got quite a few. Obviously you like cats too. Oh, you know, actually that's one of my favorite books
1: of my (laughs) books. Like I, that was written, that was illustrated by my partner. Uh, who's an amazing illustrator that I'm sure a lot of your listeners know of because she's quite um, she's quite famous around the world. <laughs> uh, and and if you don't know, you should be you should follow her Instagram because she's amazing. She's Wendy Mac on Instagram. And uh, so yeah, and so yes, Lost Cat: A True Story of Love, Desperation, and GPS Technology is one of my favorite books that I wrote.
0: <laughs> wow, what a combination! Yeah, <laughs> that's cats, crazy. yeah, fire, cats,
1: uh, girls, bravery, yeah, it's a eclectic mix of books. I
0: love it, that's what ma- it makes you so, um, I think you've got an amazing colourful uh, in- uh, personality, it's very intriguing to hear your story, so I want unruly, to Unruly, hopefully. Sorry, and unruly, yes. Yes. <laughs> I love the fact that you shared everything with us. Thank you so much for your time, your energy, and I'm sure our listeners will reach out. You are just an amazing woman.
1: Thank you, Catherine, so much. And
0: hello, hello to Australia. Yeah. When are you coming to Australia?
1: Oh, I love your country. I've been once. I did a river there many years ago. I did a first descent on a river, and I just I hung out with many, well, really your male raft guides, and they were amazing. Love them.
0: Oh, beautiful. Well, we hope to see you uh, down under soon. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. Bye. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift, where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, If you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at Katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself.